This is a CNA podcast. Doors are closing. Fellow workers, welcome to Work It. We hope you had a good weekend and are ready for a new week. Adrian, have you heard of this show on Netflix called Emily in Paris? I have heard of it, but I've not seen it. But I do know the premise is about this American lady given the opportunity to work in Paris, and of course, all the romanticizing of how the city would <laughs> be, which drove her to just drop everything in America and go straight over. Yes, I confess, I binge-watched the latest episodes. That's what entertainment is about, right? You are suspended from reality for 30 minutes in some mindless fun. And the show has been getting all sorts of criticism, from the French who complain it portrays them as lazy and haughty, and the expats that say that Paris is actually not such a wonderland, unless, of course, you have lots of money. Which is the same anywhere, I suppose. So if you're thinking what today's episode has to do with a silly Netflix show, well, this is it. It's about working overseas, taking the leap, moving to another country, and facing all the challenges and triumphs it entails. And according to MTI, there were 179,500 overseas Singaporeans, with 123,900 of them in a working age of 20 to 64 years old. Mm. Last year, Singapore launched the OnePass to get global citizens to come work here. They are called top-tier talent. One of the issues discussed at the time was that there are simply not enough Singaporeans who were adventurous enough to work abroad to get that valuable experience. I've never done it myself, but I wonder if I had the chance, say at 25, and at the start of my career, I would have done it. Our guest today, though, took a leap of faith and flew to Hong Kong for a job. At 28, Crystal Wong is now Head of Partnerships at Slickflow, an omni-channel social commerce platform. Hi Crystal, welcome to Work It. Hi everyone, happy to be here. Crystal, you must be one of our youngest guests. <laughs> oh, is it? Okay, first, give us a speed dating type of introduction about yourself. Like, what is your right. role, what do you do, how you landed it? My name is Crystal, I'm the Head of Partnerships here at Slickflow. How I landed it? Well, I literally landed in Hong Kong like two, three years ago and answered a really weird, obscure job application. And that's just where I am right now. Where did you get this job application? Like, Was it online? Were you looking for something? So what happened was actually I started my own startup like out of university. So 2018, I graduated from SMU. Mm. And then I was actually working on a startup with a friend. And then we actually got some investment, got it running for about a year or so. I was actually feeling really, really burnt out as a founder because we were just two founders trying to work things out. Right. And I was actually looking for a sabbatical. So it was one night at like 12 midnight, 1 a.m. I was just like, okay, I need a break. So I was looking for tickets to Taiwan, air tickets. While at it, I was thinking, hmm, maybe I should also kind of look for some freelancing jobs since I will kind of like be out of it for three months. And while looking for jobs online, I came across this one job called Steakflow from Hong Kong. And then with those easy apply and those things where you don't keep filling in your details again, I just pressed the buttons. And then this founder called Henson replied me within the next half an hour at like 1 something a.m. And I was like, oh, must be a founder like me. Because back when I was a founder, I was replying emails at 1 a.m. as well. He was like, hey, really interesting profile. Would you be open for a chat? Would you like to come down? I was like, oh. Sure, sounds good. And also, instead of like a ticket to Taiwan, ended up buying a ticket to Hong Kong instead. 
that sounds like something from a movie script, right, Adrian? <laughs> it's like oh, yeah, randomly definitely. searching. Is that your only application when you're looking for potentially a job overseas? So I actually applied for like lots of different jobs, right? Where I mentioned like easy apply and stuff like that. All those I applied for in Taiwan did not go through at all. And the only one that came through was this one from Hong Kong. My niece recently took a job in Europe. And from her account, I can tell you it's nothing smooth sailing about it. From looking for a non-crappy apartment to really pinching your pennies because it's expensive. People have this impression that sometimes it sounds very exciting, but it can be overwhelming. So maybe talk to us about your experience in Hong Kong. When I came to Hong Kong, I remember my first two months, I couldn't even like get my salary because I didn't have a Hong Kong bank account. So uh-huh. there I was just like living off like money at the transfer from Singapore. I think like looking back with the new year and everything, I was just looking back in my past about three years soon in Hong Kong. Everything that I've built here was really from the ground up. My bank account mm-hmm. was literally zero. So everything that I have in my Hong Kong bank account right now is literally everything that I've built in the past three years. And then I think that gives me a sense of accomplishment, but also it tracks my growth as a person, I guess in my career as well and everything. So that was one thing. You no, know, I remember at the very beginning, startup pay, right? So startup pay, you know, salaries aren't that high. Yeah. And yeah. Hong Kong cost of living is pretty high and all that kind of stuff. So it was pretty tough at first, you no know, juggling, let's say, budgeting and also trying to figure out the tax system and all these other things that you're just so not used to. Mm. And then you throw in COVID <laughs> and it's like, wow, I don't even know what's happening. Given all that you've experienced, was there a time that you thought, okay, maybe this is not such a good idea? For me, never actually, because I actually really treasure the independence. So I feel like the independence as a benefit outweighed like all the cons. The only con was that like I probably missed my family a bit more because like my family's all in Singapore, right? Okay, so as a parent, I have to ask you, what did your parents say? Did they try to stop you? What did your mom say, for example? My parents are actually pretty open-minded. So that night that I decided, um, I'm going to buy a ticket to Hong Kong. So I actually bought the ticket already at like 1, 2 a.m. And my mom woke up the next day, I told her. So it wasn't really like, can I? It was a, I am. So she Good was tip, like, right, oh. Adrian? Good tip for the kids. <laughs> so I just bought it and I just went. For her, it was okay. Because I think like, my mom used to be an air stewardess. So she was really mm. open to all this like traveling, new experiences and all this kind of stuff. So she actually like really wanted me to go for it. She's a very like, go for it kind of person. But I'm more, what are the risks? Am I sure I'm going to do this? But she'll just be, don't think that much. Just go. Oh, wow. She sounds so supportive. That's quite an advantage, I would say. I'm sure you have friends who have to deal with a lot of, not say negativity, but people always ask, what about this? What about that? Are you sure you got nobody there? You're going to be lonely. Yeah. Do you see that openness, something quite common amongst your friends' parents? Uh, Not really. I actually remember this one time I was in uni with my friends. So in uni, we were like 23, 24. And then I have this friend whose parents were like calling past nine o'clock. We were in school doing a project just calling every 10 minutes are you ready I'm downstairs I'm going to pick you up and I was thinking you're 24 (laughs) yeah so that's something that I was really happy that my parents were just pretty open-minded and like let me just be what I want to be and Mm. everything Mm. but I assume you go back often and visit yeah the funny thing was that in 2021 when like Singapore and Hong Kong were trying to get the travel bubble up and going and then it just could not get up and going yeah so that was actually when um, Sleek Flow decided to expand to Singapore what better than to send a Singaporean back to Singapore to set it up so I actually got sent back in 2021 for three weeks so it was really 
bizarre for me because Singapore just seemed so different from how I left it. Suddenly, safe entry was a thing. Everywhere I went mm. to, there was someone at the gates and stuff yeah. like that. So it was a whole new experience for me. Yeah. And then actually, this past quarter in August last year, I was sent back to Singapore again, but this time for three months for a whole Southeast Asian tour because Singapore was expanding to Indonesia, Malaysia and stuff like that. So I was based in Singapore for three months. And again, Singapore was so different. It was just like normal again. This just really made me appreciate the way Singapore handled COVID, I guess, like looking at it from afar. Yeah. It was just something that I was like, wow, Singapore. That feels to surprise me. So yeah. Does that also make you go, I apply for a job so that I can go Hong Kong, escape Singapore, and then you send me back to Singapore? Yeah, but from a startup's point of view, it's always about cost savings, right? So I guess like sending a Singaporean there with a house, with like, you know, a good support system there, they don't have to pay for my hotel and stuff like that. So it makes sense. And for me also, I think what's better than going back on a little holiday on like the company's expense? So I'm sure yeah. your parents would be very happy about that, Crystal. Yeah, they were. <laughs> Are you looking for ways to make your money work harder for you or need tips on saving, investing and making financial decisions? Join me, Sarah Alcaldi, on Money Talks, CNA's top personal finance podcast. From investment basics to the FIRE movement and legacy planning, I look at financial trends and news stories that matter to you. Check out our complete playlist on the CNA app, Apple and Google Podcasts or Spotify. You can also follow us or subscribe for new weekly episodes. In today's context, applying for a job anywhere in the world is not difficult at all. Compared mm-hmm. to my time and maybe even Adrian's time, it wasn't so easy. Now with a click of a button, like you say, there's an easy apply option. In fact, LinkedIn, it's all there. And they tell you this is a job based in Jakarta, this is a job based in London. What would you say is the approach someone would take? Where do you even start looking for something? For me, I think it always starts with applying for something that interests you. So for me, at that point of time, I was very interested in startups. The traditional MNC or like big corps just weren't my thing. I liked the flexibility. And I think like Mm. from what I've been saying so far, independence is very important to me. So I think like the startup life kind of offered that. So I firstly searched mainly for like startup jobs on maybe startup sites as well as cases like LinkedIn, there also lots of startups on there. Yep. So that was where I started my search. And then you kind of have to narrow down to like, what are you interested in exploring? Mm. So a reason why I also chose startups was because being a startup is kind of like being a STEM cell. You get to explore and end up being very different things. I remember like in my first week at Sleepflow, Henson, the founder, was asking me, so are you more interested in like product? Are you more interested in marketing? Are you more interested in sales? You know, so I think that was the first like three choice. You know, when you first play Pokemon, you need to choose a Pokemon, stuff like that. <laughs> So that I was thinking like, oh, hmm, maybe I'm more interested in marketing. But now looking back, I felt that I maybe would have said product. Because I think being in a startup for the past two years, I realized that actually product's a very interesting thing. Like being a product manager seems like a very fun role. And these are things that you probably won't be able to transit very easily if you were in like a really established company. So that's why I think firstly, applying for something that suits your preferences and your personality type Mm. uh, would work like wonders. I think that was one of the reasons why I got hired as well. So another funny story was that while hiring for my role, Hanson actually spoke to many different people and they didn't ask him, like, why did you pick me? Like, all the way from Singapore, you don't know whether you need to give me a visa and stuff like that. And then he's like, oh, because I liked your founder mentality and you seemed really genuinely interested in what we were doing. Mm. And then he actually rejected a few other people. 
And one of the other people actually came back as like the next employee after me in a different role. So I think that's the thing with startups. It's like everyone has to be kind of a Swiss army knife at very early mm. stage startups. You need to be able to do lots of different things. You need to be very like adaptable, very flexible, and very willing to try new things. That was what I wanted. And that's what startups offered. And that's why we could find this fit so easily. But I'm not sure how that would be for, let's say, like big tech or maybe for other mm. MNCs when you're trying to relocate and stuff like that, how open the whole experience would be as well. There's a lot of calculations around this. Some people choose based on the location too, right? Yeah, definitely. So I have friends who work in the UK and then ended up like coming back to like Singapore, coming back to Hong Kong because the taxes there are too high, even though they really love the work-life balance there, they love the culture and everything. You know, it's usually a trade-off, but I mm. guess like looking back, that's just how life is, right? I think life is about experiencing lots of things and then like weighing the trade-offs yourself and then seeing what benefits you the most. It might not be like monetarily, maybe like it's mentally, maybe it's financially, different things. Mm. And talking about this trade-off, I think one of the things that we see, of course, would be the kind of experience that one have to go through when you have to go to a strange place. You also have to make some sacrifices, long-distance relationship perhaps. How do you handle that? And how do you advise for people who try to acclimatize, especially during the earlier days? of being in a foreign land? I think it's very important to go local. So I think for me, I wanted to get to meet more people on the ground. I wanted to not only just mix with other Singaporeans, but also to find local enclaves and meet people and stuff like that. I'm a very different person in Hong Kong from how I am in Singapore. Really? Yeah, in Singapore, it's like everyone knows everyone. You can just go to Orchard Road and you can bump into like five <laughs> people, you know, that you've probably met okay. in like primary school, JC, stuff like that. But in Hong Kong, it's like, hey, no one knows who I am. You know, I can just be a whole new person. I can try lots of different things. So one of the things I started doing when I was in Hong Kong that I probably would not have actively done when I was in Singapore was to like, actively reach out to people. Mm. So in Hong Kong, when I go to coffee shops, I would actually like strike up conversations with like people next to me. But I don't think I'll do that in Singapore. Like, yeah, yeah that's just like, I don't know why. It's just really weird. <laughs> but Hong Kong's like, hey, you know, and then you start talking about stuff and you meet someone. Same thing online as well. So I think like earlier on, this actually is a habit that came from COVID. During COVID, uh, we were all like locked down and everything. So the only way I could meet new people was through LinkedIn. So I was just like pinging people on LinkedIn, asking right. about job switch, career advice. And because I was just new to Hong Kong and everything. So I was just asking people People or maybe asking other Singaporeans as well how they dealt with this. And then once lockdowns were lifted, and then I kind of applied that into real life as well. So now when I go to cafes or when I just bump into anyone on the street, I would just, just kind of ask. Don't be afraid to just say, hey, how's your day? How's it going? Or like, oh, I have a question, stuff like that. Uh, one thing I've taken from this is that it's much easier if you're single to make a move yeah. away. Yeah, 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 if yeah, you have a partner, Crystal, then the complication comes in, right? That's why I decided to like make the move early because when there's no responsibilities, anything, ah. like just go and explore and see the world. That was why I decided to move like earlier on as well. I know people who, when they move, the partner is here. And so long distance is one thing. The other thing is, okay, what's the future? That guy has a career here. She has a career there. It's complicated and it makes people a little bit more careful. Uh, it's what I'm saying. I, I think that's real, right? Now, whenever I go back to Singapore, let's say this past three months, I was in Singapore, I attended like quite a few weddings. I think like weddings at this age is a very Singaporean thing, like all the BTOs and stuff like that. My Hong Kong friends don't really get married at this age, but when I was in Singapore, I attended a few weddings. And actually, funnily, a few of like my work contacts, like other partnership managers that I deal with in Hong Kong, they have been moving to Singapore. Mm. So I actually met up with them in Singapore and asked them like, why did you move to Singapore? They said first, maybe job prospects and second, because... 
my boyfriends here. Ah. So I think that was like the second major reason was because of their partner as well. People do actually have to consider lots of stuff, especially when they're attached, when they actually like take up a job somewhere else or move like for love and stuff like that. So I guess for the Singapore government listening to this, we don't need what one pass foreign tier lah. Just have attractive partners in Singapore to attract foreigners to come here and work lah. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Another view that I've heard, like another impediment or something that young Singaporeans think about, you don't contribute to your CPF, which means when you eventually come back to Singapore and you want to apply for a BTO, you don't have enough. I think it's a question of deciding what's important, right? Yeah, that's something that I grappled with as well. I met this Singaporean uncle here in Hong Kong and then he was like, yeah, don't ever give up your Singapore citizenship, you know. If anything, you can always like get an HGB flat back in Singapore and like you should like start contributing to it and everything. And that was the moment I thought, oh yeah, I forgot about CPF. You know, just because being in Hong Kong, CPF isn't a thing. It's called MPF mm-hmm. instead and it's a lot lower the percentage. And then now, when I actually went back this past time, I was just realizing that, yeah, I don't really have that much money in my CPF. So I actually put in a scheme in place because I started to adult, you know. So I think for me, I had to learn adulting in Hong Kong as well as adulting in Singapore. <laughs> so, you know, in Hong Kong, I need to learn all those adulting hacks, like how do I get rent, get a house, da-da-da-da-da. And then in Singapore, I need to say, okay, how do I level up my CPF? How do I do this? Mm-hmm. How do I apply for this grant, debt subsidy, everything else? It was just very hard to be in the know about like things in both places at the same time. But I think slowly when I got to it, then I put in a place that, okay, in Singapore, you can like voluntarily top up your CPF, you can do this, you can top up your parents' CPF and stuff like that. So I started learning all these different things and then putting it to good use. So I guess like I'm cash poor at the moment because I'm topping up both sides, doing everything. But I think that's good right for the long term. I think for me, especially like being in a startup, it's always a very long-term view. That's kind of why yes. I joined a startup as well, right? Hopefully it can IPO. Hopefully the shares are worth something. And then you don't have to worry about having enough in your CPF. You can just buy a Sentosa Cove apartment. Hopefully. <laughs> the future Crystal will be very thankful for what you're doing right now. What would be some of the reason, or even one reason, why you think a young Singaporean should consider working overseas at least once in their life? Like if you're giving a talk to some JC kids or poly kids and you're telling them, okay guys, this is why you should work overseas, what would you say? I think you really see a lot of very different things. I think as a Singaporean, when I came over to Hong Kong, I learned a lot in the sense that, yeah, sometimes... We think very, this way is this way, very straight, you know, like, oh, it's like that A, B, and then C. But then in Hong Kong, I feel that the people here are a bit more street smart. Mm. They will kind of like push you to the edge and just say, can we maybe do this? Mm. That kind of stuff. And then you realize, hey, yeah, you know, why didn't I think of that? I guess lazy people are, in a sense, more efficient people because they find ways to cut corners and then like still get the job done. (laughs) So I think that's something that I learned here. Because in Singapore, it's just very by the book, you know. So everything I did was very by the book. If I just stayed in Singapore, I think I would still be a very by the book person. But I think coming here, I've learned some like no nook and crannies and some ways to like circumvent certain things good or bad like you know depends on how you use that knowledge but I think like it's always important to keep yourself protected especially when people try to take advantage of you in terms of maybe like contract terms or stuff like that you know how to push back or what to look out for all these I probably would not have had the knowledge or foresight if I did not come out because I think like Hong Kong people are kind of like next level on these kind of things (laughs) yeah okay so what have you learned about yourself it's the last question before you go 
Right, so I think I've learned not to underestimate your future potential. Just looking at me three years ago, would I think that I would be where I am now? Would I think that I would see this amount in my bank account? Or would I think that I would know these people, these friends? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Where I am now would have been something very unachievable back then. When we look back, we tend to say, wow, I've come so far. But when we look forward, we're like, mm, I don't know whether I can reach there. So I think mm-hmm. what I've learned from this whole experience is that hey, you know, don't limit your looking forward even though you've achieved a lot in the past. So what Mm -hmm. you've achieved in the past can be replicated moving forward and it will bring you even higher. I think that's something that I learned. And I hope this episode will inspire more people to really consider working overseas as well and to gain the kind of experience and exposure that you have. Yeah, definitely. It's always something fun to go overseas, discover a new side of you, to try something new. So for myself as well, I've been trying something new as well. So I actually started an athlete club here in Hong Kong. I used to be an athlete. I used to fence like for Singapore. And I started an athlete club with a friend. And then now we're like gathering athletes and having like meetups and doing activities together. So I think this is again something that I probably would not have done if I was back in Singapore. Okay, Crystal sounds like she cannot sit still. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Crystal. It Thanks, was Crystal. lovely chatting with you. Lovely chatting with you guys as well. Thanks to our guest, Crystal Wong. She sounds like she's up for any adventure. And at 28, that's like the perfect time in life. Definitely. And I would totally encourage my children to work elsewhere. Not just for the skills you pick up, but the experience, the people and the culture that will shape your own values. These things will naturally become quite invaluable in the long run. Yep, it does take a leap of faith. But like you said, I can see the rewards may well be worth the risks. We hope you enjoyed this episode. The team behind this podcast is Joanne Chan, Jacqueline Chan and Sai. I'm Adrian. And I'm Crispina signing off.